0: back to aesthetics and more. So this episode, I want to focus on little quirks that I have and how that shapes my aesthetic practice. I also want to touch on mental health a little bit in this episode. So let me just jump right into it. So when I was a child, maybe about 11 or 12 years old, my mom actually wanted to take me to a clinic because she thought I might have obsessive compulsive disorder. And the reason she thought this is because I had this mentality that everything had to feel and be even. It's like if something hit my right arm, I would need my left arm hit just as equally hard in the exact same way. And if I didn't feel like the other side was even enough, I would start hitting myself to make things feel even. It was something that was really becoming a primary focus in my life. And this whole unevenness thing was making me not healthy, mentally speaking. I remember thinking that this was really getting too much and really affecting me, and I saw myself on a tipping point where this mentality could really spiral me down or really had a hard path for myself. So a light bulb went off, and I knew I had to make a change. So if something hit my leg or wherever, I would force myself to sit with that uncomfortable, uneven feeling and write it out, or I'd get up and do something else to distract myself. Thankfully, I repeated that enough times that I was able to break that cycle on my own. So I don't have that aspect haunting me anymore, which I'm really grateful for. So now that I'm an adult, the unevenness thing is no longer even a thought for me. But what is on the forefront of my mind now is being really conscious of germs and needing to have things to be orderly and structured and detail-oriented. So in regard to the germ thing, I have this mentality that I need to do everything to feel protected against germs. And this was my mentality way before COVID ever happened. Like there was this one time where I had a family member before the COVID days who had to stay in the hospital overnight. I ended up spending the night with her in the hospital. And I asked the nurse if I could have some of their sanitary wipes. Thankfully, she was kind enough to bring over the whole bottle and I wiped down literally every single surface that could and might be touched from remote controls, to light switches, to the toilet seat, to door handles, literally everything. And this is maybe one reason why I prefer not to work in hospitals, because I'd want to spend half my shift just wiping everything down before I even started working, which probably wouldn't work out too well. And I've always kept hand sanitizer in my car or in my back pocket, wherever I go. And now that COVID is around, I do all the same kind of things, but now just more. Like, I'll sanitize all my groceries now, and I have a two-step process when I come back home to wash my hands. I drench my hands in sanitizer first, then I'll go wash my hands on top of that. And I am also double the triple mask wear, and I know that masks are more for the safety of other people than ourselves, but I really don't trust other people enough to care about me, so I'm going to do what I can to feel somewhat in control of my own health. Which for me means double masking or triple masking or wearing a face shield on top of that, etc. But one of the reasons why I think I'm so detail oriented and conscious of germs is because it gives me a sense of control over my physical health. Like if there's something I can do to prevent getting a cold or the flu or now COVID, I'm going to do it. So I have a chronic health condition and type one diabetes. And there's really nothing I can do to get rid of that. And I think maybe why I have such a thing with being so detail-oriented is to have as tight control over my own health as possible. Because I have been sick as a dog before, and let me tell you, it's not fun. So these little quirks also fall under the same category as being a person who likes planning and organization and structure and rules. It's like following a rule. If there's a sign that says, don't walk on the grass, I'm not going to be the defiant one and walk on the grass. I know it can make me really fun at parties, but again, it just is what it is. But obviously, if a, a rule or law hurts another person, I wouldn't blindly just follow it. I would definitely push back. But as long as rules are harmless, I'll follow them. I know a lot of these traits have a little resemblance to obsessive compulsive disorder, but I never really like throwing that term around because I know a lot of people will say they have OCD in a joking manner, not realizing how debilitating that disorder can be for some people. So in no way am I trying to take the seriousness out of obsessive compulsive disorder, which is why I use the term quirks to describe myself, because I don't have... I don't feel that my patterns affect my daily living where it gets in my way or affects my life in any negative way. How does all of this affect my practice in aesthetics? Well, it makes me a more structured injector for one. I like things that are systematic and flow and that are clean and sterile. I like to have things I'm doing and practicing make complete sense to me from every angle on a scientific standpoint before really feeling comfortable with it. And I really pay attention to detail when I inject. And also, I like to draw out my Botox or neurotoxin in the same room as my patient to give them the option to see everything I'm doing. And the reason I do this is because for myself, when I'm at a doctor's office and they need to poke me or take a sample off me or inject me for whatever reason, I like seeing what they do right in front of me because it puts my mind at ease. And I like to offer that same approach to my patients as well which can sometimes pose a little bit challenging to do when I work at different clinics because each clinic is set up a little differently and in some places like to do everything in back and then bring all the drawn up products to the client. I mean, I have done it this way, I don't prefer it this way, but when you work under someone else who has a different system, you kind of just have to go with it and make the best out of it. And something else about how my little mannerisms affect me at work is how I chart. My detail-oriented nature makes me think of every possible worst-case scenario when I chart. And worst-case scenario would be being taken to court over something. So I chart to cover my butt. Like, I always imagine the what-if scenarios. What if I'm in court and my charting is projected on a projector in front of a judge and lawyers and a jury panel? Am I gonna feel protected and confident enough with what I wrote down? Like, that's where my mind always goes. And detailed charting is just all about patient safety, too, because usually when I'm done with a workday, I pretty much forget everything that happened that workday and won't remember a thing until I have a chart in front of me again that refreshes my mind. Charting is also really important to help out other providers. So patients often hop from one provider to a next, and it's such a struggle for me when I get another provider's patient and I don't have a full grasp on their notes. Like there was this one time I had a patient from another provider and all I saw in the notes was microdermabrasion done. So I go in all confident, ready to treat this patient because she was concerned with her under eye area. So I go in the room and I'm like, oh, all you've done is microdermabrasion. And she comes back and she's like, no, I've done a bunch of things at this clinic. So I look back down at the notes and pause and start trying to search for everything. And I can't find what she's referencing to. So I feel like an idiot and makes the company look bad too. It's just a really uncomfortable situation to be put in. So with not really knowing fully what she's done to tackle her under eye area, it's kind of like starting from baseline again for me, which is fine for me, but kind of sucks for the patient. So yeah, charting in every aspect is extremely important. Another little thing that falls in the detail-oriented spectrum is art. So I paint and draw sometimes and also just recently picked up sculpting. And also do a bit of photography but the art i'm going to talk about right now is photography and specifically before and after photography of a patient so side note my partner is a professional photographer and she's brilliant at what she does so she's really helped me hone in my eyes even more to the concept of lights and shadows and different types of camera lenses that are used and how that can drastically affect a photo and light and shadows are really what it's all about in any type of art form we're talking about whether it's photography, sculpting, painting, drawing, or injectable art. It's all focused around where the lights and shadows hits the surface. And these types of art forms can be really deceiving depending on where the light and shadows hit the surface. Like, have you ever seen realistic chalk art? Like where they will draw a cliff on a flat surface? It's an optical illusion. It's really tricky on the mind. Or what about a painting or statue where the eyes follow you wherever you go? This is deceptive art. And I see this form of deceptive art through photography quite often in the aesthetic industry. And I don't think a lot of providers do this intentionally, it just kind of happens. And how this happens is either through lighting placement or different camera lenses being used for a before and after shot. As far as the lighting goes, if we shine a light from above, we get more shadows and more prominent lines on our face and it's more contrasty, which ages us. However, if we move that light down in front of us, it's going to knock out all those shadows and lines, which will help soften and even eliminate the bags under our eyes, the nasolabial folds, et cetera. And this is why so many influencers and other people use ring lights to take pictures and selfies and videos of themselves. It provides that nice front position lighting. So when I see before and afters with lighting differences, I wonder if it's truly injectable work or just light differences, and it's really hard to tell sometimes. And I get that it's hard to recreate that same exact lighting position from before and after photos, but I also think it's really crucial to make a point in doing so to represent your work honestly and authentically. And another way that can be deceptive through photography is a type of camera lens that photos are being taken through. When two different cameras are used to take a shot, you'll most likely get different results. And usually this is seen when a clinic uses their office camera, and then a week or two later, when all the swelling calms down, a patient will send a selfie to show their provider. A selfie will not only have different lighting f- from an in-office photo, but it will most likely have a different lens size too that will affect the shape and angles of the face. Camera phones are usually somewhere around a 32 millimeter lens. In other cameras, depending on what is being used, can range from a lens size of less than 24 millimeters up to more than 200 millimeters. So all this means is that the focal lengths are different, which means it's going to capture and distort the face differently. And face distortions in cameras are also dependent on how far or close we are when we take that photo. So there's just something else to be really mindful of when looking at before and after photos that providers show. These are just some of my aesthetic ideas or practices that might be shaped by my little quirks in life that I pay attention to which ultimately makes me want to bring this podcast back around to mental health and its seriousness for a bit. Like I said before, thankfully I don't have life-controlling obsessive-compulsive disorder or anything like that. I just call my attention to details and my focus on germs, little quirks of mine that I'm aware of. But it's not to say that I don't battle with mental health struggles. Depression has played a big part in my life off and on for as long as I can remember. And I feel like mental health, specifically anxiety and depression, are so rampant in this country and not talked about nearly enough that it leaves people feeling alone in their feelings. And this month in September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and I think it's safe to say that suicide can come with a whole array of struggles, and one of those struggles that can lead people down that path is from a deep sense of loneliness or not being seen or heard or understood in this world. I believe we all have our own set of quirks or mental health patterns that we might struggle with or it might make us feel unrelatable with others. Misery loves company, as they saying goes. There's great support in knowing that we're not alone. And with nearly 8 billion people on this planet, even though we might not be able to find someone in our own little circle of people, I guarantee that there's someone out there going through and experiencing very similar struggles of mental health patterns that you're going through. It's very rare to see anyone express depressed or anxious or any kind of mental health struggles on social media. Like no one says, God, I feel so alone and life has thrown me some awful curveballs and I'm in the pits of hell right now. No one says that and not very openly anyway. So whether you have quirks in your life that make you feel different or make your life more structured like it does mine, or if you have serious mental health struggles, you're most likely not alone. And I really connect to people who are real like that and show that kind of vulnerability because there's something really comforting to let someone else know that they're seen and there's a level of understanding. I want to end today's podcast with a quote from a book called My Heart and Other Black Holes by Jasmine Warga. It's it's a coming-of-age book with a couple of depressed teens who have their own little quirks and who are wanting to commit suicide. It's a touching book that has some nice quotes about mental health in it. And one of the quotes states, maybe we all have darkness inside of us, and some of us are better at dealing with it than others. End quote. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram under leila.r.k. Thanks so much.